Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a Root Issues podcast. It's been a while. Um, I think, what, two weeks? Yeah, a couple weeks. Just July's busy. Everybody's <laughs> in and out. Um, <coughs> it's just me and Steve today, but we do have some very exciting things to talk about. Um, I'm not sure. Where's Chris's camping? He left this morning with um, a bunch of motors. Oh, camp. camp. So I guess camping and uh, camp. clamping slash teaching. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, and Alyssa's got, you know, kids, so that's a whole thing. Um, but we're kind of diving into 1 Kings 13, a very uh, interesting part of the Bible that, as you have mentioned, a lot of people probably glaze over. It's one of those stories that's hard to kind of understand, I guess you could say, and um, definitely hard to teach on, so I, I admire that for sure. Um, but yeah, before we get into everything and kind of dive deep on some stuff, do you want to just kind of give a brief overview, kind of a teaser on the overview of what's going to go yeah, on. Yeah, I'll, I'll try. And then we can maybe dive into these three lessons from the kings out of this that yeah. we can kind of break down a little bit. Um, but we call this, you know, this is the the lion, the donkey, and the dead body, you know, uh, out of First Kings 13. Um, for me, I think there's so many themes here, but the one that just keeps coming back through this whole narrative in First Kings 13, as well as all of the kings, we've just been looking at lessons from the kings, but the, out of this section, it, you know, it's um, we're moving now to the splitting of the kingdom and the and the falling away of the kingdom, um, and there's just this overarching theme of of um, God's desires His people to be wholehearted in their worship and devotion to Him, um, and He has a great promise for that. Um, and the battle for compromise is that we're always being tempted to compromise our mm. faith. And we just see this lesson, right, of over and over, nothing new under the sun, this cycle of the kings, compromise with the world, compromise with false religion, and then just the decay that comes, God's discipline at some point, right, down the line. Um, I opened up with 2 Corinthians 11. Paul, you know, gives a strong warning to the church, right? Just uh, he's worried with the church. He knows the battle of compromise, nothing new under the sun again. Um, and, and he warns us. He says, look, if somebody else comes with a different preaching, a different Jesus, you need to be spiritually sensitive enough to be aware of what is that? Is that the Jesus of the Bible? Is that the, um, and then he goes on and talk about, you know, receiving a different spirit. He's worried that also people would be uh, compromised with the world and, and receive a different spirit. Now that's a big, uh, that's a whole nother big category, right? It's as simple as a spirit of fear, a, a spirit of slavery, a spirit of legalism, you know, falling back under the law. But this also for Paul, right, opens up a, a whole nother category of a spirit, right, in the, in the demonic world that is a spirit of deception because he opens up there in saying, I'm worried that just as de- Eve was deceived, by Satan that you might be as well. And then the final one is that you, know, you are, boy, that you're going to be open to a different gospel. And what we can say today is, boy, uh, there is a different Jesus being preached out there. Even in churches that used to be solid, um, there's a different gospel being preached. Um, and there's a, we need to pray for a, a sense of spiritual sensitivity and always come back to the word um, on that. And this is where 1 Kings 13 comes in. Again, with this, uh, the, the, these prophets, um, maybe I'll just summarize the story real quick because we don't have time yeah. to read it. <clears throat> but um, Jeroboam has taken over the northern kingdom. Um, Solomon's sons, Rehoboam, was, has been deposed of. Rehoboam's taken over, <clears throat> and you have the southern kingdom. And um, God sins, and Jeroboam, because to keep the power so these people wouldn't be brought back to the southern kingdom, back to Judah, 
he uh, sets up two golden calves. He just goes full bore into false worship, and he sets up in the high places his own priests, his own false worship. So God raises up a, a man of God, a prophet to come out of Judah, who comes while Jeroboam's actually on the altar and gives a strong message to him that on this altar— and this is one of the most amazing prophecies, actually, in the new t- in the, all of Scripture, um, because the prophet comes and says to Jeroboam that um, uh, God is going to raise up a man, a king, Josiah, gives it by name, who is going to uh, cleanse this temple and uh, cleanse this whole area, right? Uh, well, that's fulfilled in 2 Kings chapter 23, 300 years later, exactly as this prophet says. And this is, again, the in- wonderful inner workings of God, right, in yeah. prophecy and the Word. Um, so he comes, he labels that, and then the king, you know, says, grab him, you know, uh, and he reaches out his hand to take hold of the, the prophet, and uh, and his arm seizes up, and he knows that God's at work here. Then he pleads, spends and pleads with the prophet to pray for him that his arm would be um, healed, and, and the man of God does pray, and God heals his arm, you know, the, the king's arm, and then the king says, oh, God's at work here, so hey, come back to my palace with me, let me feed you, and, uh, and there's now he wants to harness this prophet, this man of God, for his own political means, um, which all these themes, again, nothing new under the sun, right? Um, <clears throat> so what happens is the prophet says, no, God had told me specifically, gave me a clear word that I'm to leave Judah to come bring this word. I'm not to eat, I'm not to drink, I'm not to return back home the same way. And so he leaves. Well, um, somewhere in there, uh, there's another prophet enters this story, an old prophet of Bethel. Most likely, this is somebody who used to be um, faithful to God, but because of living in the northern kingdom that had just decayed in its wholeheartedness to God, is it impacted his own ministry. His sons come back. Most likely, his sons were serving as priests in Bethel, and they tell him what because they were there. They saw what happened. And it just kind of awakened this old prophet, and he goes after this. Um, he asks his sons, which way did he go? And so he goes after him, finds him, and says, are you the man of God? He says, I am. And then uh, this old prophet says to him, come back and eat with me. And the prophet says, no, God told me I can't. i got to go home. And then this is an interesting thing. This prophet then says, oh, I'm a prophet too. And an angel appeared to me and told me to tell you to come back and eat with me. Well, the man of God heard this, and he did. He followed back, going against God's original um, command. So let me just stop there and just say this is a huge point, right, Uh, in all this. If we don't get to it, that when God tells us something, when his word comes, is we're not to compromise, we're not to... And even if somebody gives us a prophecy or a word or advice, whatever counsel is, we always have to make sure that we go to God and that we have to, um, we don't step out based on somebody else's word. We need to test it right before God. Anyway, the prophet goes back, eats, and then the word of God comes to the old prophet with a true word now to the man of God saying, because you disobeyed, my word, um, you will not die in your homeland. So the prophet leaves, gets on his donkey, headed home, and a lion comes out, you know, wipes him out. He's dead on the on the uh, on this highway, and the lion's standing there, not tearing him apart, not doing anything. And the donkey, the lion's not attacking the donkey. So you have a lion sitting next to a donkey. Um, sitting next to this this uh, this dead prophet in the middle of the road, and people are passing by, like, "What's going on?" Again, if you see that, it tells you something's going on here. <laughs> I need to wake up. In the in the this doesn't make sense, right? Um, and so I, I think um, 
and anyway, the whole, the prophet comes back. The old prophet comes, takes his body, and comes back to his son. He knows that God's word was on this this original prophet, and, and he buries him in his own grave. And uh, and this is where his faith comes in. It says, "Sons, bury me with this this man of God." And when Joshua, three hundred years later, Josiah comes back to fill this prophecy, it's amazing when you go read this. Second Kings twenty three is that he sees this grave. There's a monument that was set up, and he, he, he destroys every other grave of the prophets, burns on the altar, cleanses the area, but leaves that. And what does that say? It says that God's favor, there was a sense of faith on this, uh, recognizing God's hand, even though he was used right, by God to uh, bring about this story. Well, what does all this mean? All of this, again, is a message to Israel, do not compromise. When I tell you something, Israel, church, right, into the New Testament, don't compromise. Serve me wholeheartedly. This connects to the great commandment to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength, body, your entire being. Don't compromise. If you do, it will have generational impact, not only in families, but in whole nations, right? That's the big, like, overarching story. So, wow, this is long. Let me just say <laughs> this. Each of these three lessons, I, I just built them around each of these things. The lion, what does that tell us? The lion represents the ways of God, and they're mysterious to us, right? God will use anything, and oftentimes he will use very strange things, right, prophetically and everything, because he confounds the wisdom of man, right? The donkey represents the, our response, right, to the ways of God. So the, the prophet came in, he rode the donkey obeying God, but he also rode the donkey to disobey God, right? Mm-hmm. And the um, dead body represents the consequences of compromise, right? The consequence of compromise. But it also represents the grace of God, the hope of God, that he will, ra- when Josiah returns to the fulfillment, that he will, right, has a promise to raise the body, right? For with the, He's going to take care of this cycle of the kings with the gospel that can break the cycle in people's hearts. That's amazing. I mean, the whole concept of generational sin and, you know, punishment in a sense is very hard to understand. I feel like as a, a human and looking at God as being fair and just, can you break that down a little bit more and like how that works and how that has affected people over the past? And is it still something that happens? Yeah, boy, it is. That's a big one. Um, I, I think because again, we're, we're so today, um, uh, we, we step back. We, we don't know how to handle, right. This idea of, of the discipline of God, right. That God, even with his children, right. Over and over in the scripture, we see it, whether it's Israel or in the new Testament, we see God's will will discipline Jesus to the church in Revelation, the message of the church. He says, "Repent, right, or I will come to you. I come to you, reprieve, reprieve you, and discipline you, um, because I love you and I want you to turn to me." Right? And there's consequences for that. Um, we we are uh, instant gratification people, so we don't. Three hundred years. Think about it. Our nation is only what two hundred some years old. Yeah, yeah. Right. So this is, <laughs> you know, you think about that, and we're just so. Whoa, it has to happen now. So God is always at work, um, but uh, the oh, the message that's clear from the garden, right, and the consequence of Eve and Adam compromising, right, and that was at that's why Adam bears the brunt of that responsibility. He he compromised what God said, and what did the enemy do? Come to Eve, she tried to get Eve to come. Did God really say that? Yeah. Right? So just let's twist this a little bit. Come on, He didn't really say all that exactly. He what this is what He meant, right? We're dealing with this. Every one of us, every day, right? In the sense of, ah, I can fudge here, fudge there a little bit, right? Well, and that's like the ultimate generational curse, right? Because of that decision, we have all 
been born into sin. Exactly. I mean, it's the same concept, I exactly. guess. Again, nothing new under sun, right? Yeah. The whole everything's story. On <laughs> <laughs> what? Everything's Every, on loop. Everything's on loop. And, and so this is, uh, everything's on loop. And this is where God moves with Jesus. The only way to break out of that loop is the gospel. That's the hope and the grace. Yeah. And, that, and, and that breaking out of the loop is my heart. Not the world. The world's going to be in this loop till Jesus returns. Yeah. But the joy for the church now is we have the message that can break people out of that loop, out of the cycle of the kings, out of the cycle of compromise, and the adverse impact that has on the generations to come, changing hearts, right? And that does have an impact ultimately on a nation. It sure can, right? On, in a larger society or a church, right? Um, so yeah, it's, uh, um, all, there's nothing new. Understand these, these cycle of the Kings is existing today. Look at our own nation. Yeah. I mean, it just shouldn't be any, it should be very clear. This is the same cycle of the Kings as we compromise what this nation was founded upon. But let me step back to as the church compromises on who Jesus is, the gospel, what the word of God clearly says, there's going to be generational consequences. So, um, we're, we're in those right now. Um, so, boy, is there a time of renewal? We need a Josiah, right? We need yeah. in the church today, we need reform. We need, um, it has to start there with us. When I think a lot of people rely on wisdom and knowledge to try to break out of, well, a lot of things, but, you know, as, as far as faith goes. And um, I was thinking about this in the car. I'm like, okay, well, so if wisdom isn't going to save us, because you made that pretty clear that, you know, that's not, the answer, and we can see that with well, Solomon. Paul makes that clear, right? First yeah. Corinthians, right? First Corinthians two, he makes that clear. God, right? He, in His wisdom, He made it that no one would know God through wisdom, mm. the wisdom of man. Um, it is folly to the Greek, the intellect, right? Um, it is folly to it is stumbling block to the Jew. Uh, Jews are looking for signs. Just show me a miracle. Just show me. Um, Greeks are looking for um, wisdom. You know, uh, and so those are the two, I, I don't know about you, this would be a great, I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective, but in my decades of ministering and talking, especially here in Aspen, Colorado, where we've embraced the whole Greek, the whole classic, you know, um, philosophers oh, of the age, thing, humanism yeah. and everything. Well, it, it's prove it to me. It's an intellectual engagement. And what God clearly says, you'll never find God through your own intellect, right? The fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom, what scripture says. And uh, the other one is, so that's the one, that battle of just show me, just prove it to me, right? That apologetic that never moves someone to God. The other one is like the Jews uh, that Paul says is just show me a sign, right? People just say, man, if God just did this, if I just saw this, if I saw this miracle, I saw somebody healed out of a wheelchair, I believe. Well, it's just not true. And again, in this story, Jeroboam, the king, after seeing all these things, clear hand of God, he doesn't even miss a beat. He goes straight even deeper into false worship mm. right after this, right? Not yeah. even a uh, crazy, no conviction whatsoever. So, um, yeah, I think that the wisdom issue is a big one, right? Even for us, for believers to, to really get on, this is why Jesus says, deny yourself, deny your wisdom, de deny your ability to understand God because you can't. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't grow in wisdom, but that wisdom has to be a product of depending on him and letting the spirit right lead that process. I think it correlates to money a lot as well. Um, There's that saying of, you know, more money, more problems or, you know, new problems. And so it's a bit similar with wisdom. Like the more you gain, there's, there's essentially an infinite amount of wisdom you can gain. So you're never there. Mm -hmm. And it's just this constant pursuit of something that really doesn't 
fulfill you or, you know, change you to a certain point. Um, but it is something so tempting to pursue because it, it has that perception of that is the answer. Right. And so I guess the question kind of is like, so if it's not wisdom, um, it's faith, right? Right. And so the thing I, I used to struggle with, I still struggle with this is like, okay, to acquire faith, I feel like a lot of faith is, I guess, you know, acquired by understanding and, you know, you need wisdom to understand. And so I think wisdom is definitely a part of faith, just like, you know, faith and works kind of connect as well, but they're not the same thing, obviously. So how, maybe we just break down what even is faith? How is it, you know, how is it, you know, understood? What is it? And how do we get more of it if it's not by wisdom? Yeah, I think those are deep questions. I I think we are confused about faith today um, at all different levels. Um, But I think it's it's the source, right? So wisdom, we need wisdom, obviously. And again, Paul goes on in that same 1 Corinthians chapter 2, says that Christ is the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God. So it's the source of my wisdom. So rather than self and the world, right, um, my source of wisdom has to be, right, God. It has to be through Christ. That's the flow of of wisdom. In Revelation, Paul's prayer for us is that we, God would grant us the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of wisdom and revelation. So God doesn't hold back. He will flood us, right, with um, intellect, right? And I think we get distracted, and I don't, there's something, look, I'm, I was an engineering undergraduate, and I mean, uh, science is a gift of God. It's wonderful to, to press in on these things. But if I don't do that with a lens of uh, revelation, reverence for God and his order, right, um, then I can quickly move, right, and, and into being captivated by a earthly wisdom. Yeah, right, in I that. think it's cool to think about, like, am I looking through science, am I looking at science through God's point of view or through that lens, or am I looking at God through science? Exactly. Because you know, those are big, right. big differences I, there. That's exactly right. And so back to faith. Um, so if if God set it up so that no one comes to him through wisdom of man, what is this faith and how do I come, right? And so Romans 10 says faith comes by hearing the word of God. So something happens. It's a mysterious convergence, right, of my own heart of longing for God. Something's awakened in me that wants more than just intellect, knowledge. I want, I want something bigger, right? And, and that that's, now I'm moving to metaphysics. I'm moving into my soul, love, eternity, things that science doesn't have answers for, right? And so as I, I start making that journey, um, Jesus promised, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? Theirs is the kingdom, right? Their eyes will be opened, right? Um, and that's just where Jesus says, deny yourself. I think it's a sense of, Lord, I need, um, uh, I'm not going to rely on my own wisdom, right? I, I need God to reveal himself. And then the spirit gets involved, right? And people start praying for us. We know most in this realm, God uses others, right, to lead and to open up. And so it's this convergence of my seeking and longing, something in me. Um, I know just I came to faith early on, and I think you did too. And there was something just driving me to God. You know, I want. I was interested, you know. Um, yeah, a magnet. Yeah, a magnet. Like, oh, you know. Uh, and, and then he slowly revealed more and more. And then this convergence of that longing with God's revelation, right, and opening um, eyes of, boy, yeah, Jesus, I, I want you. I want what you what you say. 
and faith is born, mm. right? And um, and this this powerful thing that we're not there's a salvation that comes by faith alone, right? Uh, a righteousness we can walk in that is not by ob- what I do by obeying the law and religion, right? But what God has done through Christ, right, for me. Um, so maybe in a sense, wisdom is listening to your head knowledge, your brain, in a sense, and faith is more of listening to your transformed heart as far as how you live. Yeah, and I think like that, that when the Spirit comes in to our life, right, we're, we're to learn to submit my intellect to mm. the Spirit. So everything, my feelings, everything should be submitted now to the Holy Spirit rather than what we come in this world with is just our own flesh guiding my own thinking and being influenced by the world and my feelings and my will, the decisions I make. Um, this journey of faith is, okay, uh, it's by the Spirit. So, Lord, you inform my thinking, my wisdom. I want the wisdom of God, the wisdom that comes with Christ and the power right, that comes yeah. with that. And that's where the transformation, the abundant life, all of that comes where it's the Spirit's informing me. It's not overriding me because my flesh is still there and it can take hold at any time, which we all can give test to. But this is where the compromise comes in. The in, the world, the devil, and our, our flesh are warring always. The flesh on the inside, the spirit in the, the devil in the spiritual realm, and the world itself just pressing in on us. Compromise, compromise, compromise. Nothing under the sun there. Faith says, I'm going to make a stand. As Paul talked about, faith is a fight. It's a fight. It's a fight to maintain a faithful uh, position on the promises of God rather than just compromise, right? Mm. Can faith coexist with certainty, you think? Gosh, it's a great... So, oh boy, you're going to get me off on a... So there's <laughs> this huge deal today, right? People, you hear people talk about, oh, it's good to doubt. It's good to, you know, uh, embrace doubt. It'll lead you to the truth. I, I don't buy that. I don't see anywhere in the scripture where doubt is good. Um, now, what I mean by that is that, of course, we all have doubts. I mean, you know, why, it, so there's a radical difference between a doubt that says, uh, God, why did you do that? Or what, what are you doing here, right? God, questioning God's ways versus questioning God's character, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you're yeah. good or not. That's dangerous <clears throat> doubt. That will not build faith. Um, the certainty piece comes in where all over the scripture it says, I've written these things that you may know, that you may be certain that you are saved, that you uh, are Christ, that you'll have abundant life. Um, so faith should move to certainty. It is the hope, right? Hebrews 11, 1, right? It's assurance of things hoped for, assurance of things hoped for, right? The conviction of things not seen. So faith should move us to a place of more and more. As faith rises, certainty arises. I think those those two cool. run together, if that makes sense. Yeah, nice. Um, so and I guess this is all kind of next as well, but you said something along the lines of you'll never have peace if you try, if you think you have to explain God. Mm, and right. I, I think that goes with what you just said. Um, but how does that like co- like coexist with, you know, there's verse of like, you know, be ready to, I mean, maybe it's talking more about testimony, but be ready, be ready to give an answer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. First so, Peter. Yeah. I guess that is the question of how, where, is there a gray area there? Is there like a black and white? How mm-hmm. do we kind of deal with that? It's uh, a great question. I, um, you know, I, I think we have to, you know, Jesus, let's step back. So Jesus says, no one comes to the kingdom unless it come like a, like a child. child yeah. Right. So what is, what's up with that? So we should live in this wonder, 
The deeper I go into God, the more I know, like Job or anything, the deeper, the closer we get to God, whoa, the greater the reverence is, the greater the fear is, the greater the awe is, the greater like, wow, what did Job say? I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm undone. My lips, I, I spoke of things I don't even understand, you know. That should be happening, right, with us. Um, but the, the give the account of talking is that God promises to not withhold wisdom and revelation from us. So as he says, seek me, you'll find me. Draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. It's amazing. Jesus never put a limit on what we could experience. That's the shocking thing. Or what we could even accomplish by faith. Yeah. All right, as a mustard seed or on and on. You do greater things, all these promises. So, wow, God wants his children to keep pressing in. To, in there's no, he never put a limit on how much intimacy and love I could experience from him. And it's infinite, right? So I, I just think that um, it's that pursuit, it's that awe, or to hold this thing to be age and mature in him means there's two things happening. I'm knowing him more intimately. I'm abiding him more intimately. But I'm also expanding in my awe and wonder of this God that is bigger than I ever, ever imagined, right? That's awesome. Yeah. So I guess the means by which we grow that understanding, grow that, you know, relationship is through, I mean, it really is through conversation. And I guess conversation with God, I guess you could translate to prayer in a sense. Um, And I think this, this world, uh, this Western world, in I don't know how when this started, but it is prayer is a lot of talking to God, and not waiting for a reply or not listening for a reply. So a, a lot of that conversational aspect of it has mm-hmm. kind of dissolved in a sense. But what what is the prayer? Because you stated um, he works with the prayer of his people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so kind of break that down of how mm-hmm. how do our prayers affect? you know, the will of God almost in a sense. Gosh, like Great question. Um, yeah, I, I, I mentioned in one of the lessons on Sunday just this passage that always just grabs me is Amos 3.7, that, that, who Amos, by the way, is another prophet who came from Judah and was sent to Bethel to bring a prophetic word, right? And he says this, no one, he says that God does nothing he doesn't reveal to the, his secrets to his prophets. Wow. And you look at that in the scripture, God is always, whether it's John the Baptist coming to make the way for Jesus, right? Or it's all the Old Testament prophets. Nothing ever happened to Israel that God hadn't sent his prophets hundreds sometimes, years ahead of time, yeah. right? To warn them and say, here's what's going to happen. Here's the, you know, because uh, uh, he wants, as in the New Testament it says, he, he longs, he's a patient God. He wants all to turn to him. But there is a time of judgment. There is a time where... Uh, that's end, right? There's there, this is the this is the final. Um, uh, here comes the discipline. Here comes the judgment, right? Um, and uh, so I, I, I just think that it's this beautiful idea that God uses and wants the fulfillment in the New Testament is we're now the priests, the priesthood. He wants all of His children to be priests and operate that way, right? The vertical and the horizontal aspect of being a priest, serving God, serving others, and leading them to God. 
and uh, and being prophets, right? Whether it's the fulfillment of Joel 2, Acts 2, all of his children should be prophets, meaning that we should be tuning into the revelation of God so that we can speak God's will into people's lives and more time listening to God. Just like Agabus, hey, a famine's coming. Or, you know, there, there's no limit to what God will share as people. We know before he does something big, he's going to bring uh, his prophets. There's going, He's going to speak through his church, Um uh, to his people ahead of time, you know, somehow, some way. And Jesus pretty much fulfilled this, right? Uh, in the end, there'll be more false prophets, more false Christ. Don't listen to them. And they will be so powerful, they'll lead even the elect astray. In other words, wow. And then you go in the book of Revelation, the two prophets standing up in, in Israel are in, uh, in, yeah, spirit. You know, you, oh, we see God still always using it's the same thing. Uh, the question is, do we have a heart? And that spirit of wisdom and revelation to tune into, all right, God, what are you saying here? Right. The story of um, Abraham and Sodom and Gomorrah mm. and him, you know, praying or asking God to, I guess, lessen the severity of the punishment or to save certain people and the whole city in general. It's <clears throat> it's kind of a hard story to understand because, yeah, it, it from Abraham's point of view, it looks like he is literally convincing God of something else. Right. And then you look at God's point of view, it's like maybe God's just using this to teach Abraham something. Right. And you know, the whole predestination aspect of everything, like how does this all work together? Is mm-hmm. God, you know, just kind of, in a sense, it feels like he's almost messing with us or playing with <laughs> us, and <laughs> right. which I know isn't true, but it kind of, mm-hmm. you can get that feeling. Um, or is it really his heart like longing out to us that he already knew was going to happen mm-hmm. of him having compassion mm-hmm. and grace? Gosh, a, a great question. Uh, and I, I think where I go on that is I have to, the foundation has to be, God, your ways are higher. You, you are glorious. I, I don't understand sovereignty. So I can't even begin because that's something other than us, right? We cannot ever understand how God can know everything is happening and still we have a, a free will where we're responsible for him. We'll never understand that. But both are true. And that's the tension of faith, right? Yeah. And, and thank God, because I, it should move me to worship. Thank you, Lord. You are sovereign. I can trust you. You've got it all in your hands. I don't understand that. That's why I worship you, right? But now down on my level, what am I responsible for is my will, and I'm responsible to uh, carry out the, a no-compromise faith, right? Approach faithfulness to God um, in that you know, in that realm. And God, I I don't know, it's, maybe that's the wrong terminology, but I think he does mess with us for a reason, right? To shake us up, <laughs> right? And look what's happening here. Look at this prophet. Look at the line. Look at this story for Pete's sakes, right? <laughs> yeah. In other words, he uses strange, why did Jesus spit on somebody's eye? You know, what's the, what's the issue with the gift of tongues? Why? What? That's just weird, right? I mean, it confounds the wisdom of the intellect. Yeah. It confounds and contradicts that's, it. it contradicts it and it and it attacks the pride of man. I don't need that's weird. I'm not gonna mm. do that. I don't want that, right? That's why it's there. Yeah. And I know from my own experience, just this is off subject, but it's it, it's kind of thing is that man, tongues is one of the many things in scripture, right, that God has given to his people for a purpose, but it it um when we're we're called to follow him to be saved, you have to be born again. To be born again, my child. I have to learn how to speak again. I have to learn how to depend on God again. And that's hard when I'm an adult, and I think I know everything. Yeah. Right? And that just parallels exactly, you know, when Nicodemus came to Jesus. Yeah, like, that's it. I have to be born again? Like, how does that work? Just using wisdom and trying to use his, yeah. you know, what he understands exactly. to understand that. That's so. exactly right. That's 
Exactly awesome. right. Yeah. Was there anything else you want to add to this lesson? Man, or? we could be here all day, but yeah, there's a great question. Questions. <laughs> Hopefully that gives people to, something to chew on. But I, I think the summary of this whole thing of First Corinthians, or excuse me, First Kings 13 is this massive lesson we see in the cycle of the kings and all through God's, through history, right, is, um, boy, um, watch out for compromise. The world, the enemy, the devil, and my flesh are constantly warring from the inside and outside for for me to compromise with God's word, what he said. And uh, he's looking for wholehearted. That's why it's the greatest commandment, right? To love the Lord with all. In the back to the Shema, Deuteronomy 6.4, hear Israel, right? Love the Lord with every bit of your being, right? And uh, that's where we need to encourage each other in discipleship to stay, stay on that track. Yeah. And I think compromise just originates really from trying uh, for us to have control. Exactly. And our understanding. There's a cool quote that's kind of been floating around social media. Um, well, it's more of a soundbite, but <clears throat> it goes along the lines of, you trust uh, a random driver when you're in a bus. You trust a pilot when you're in a plane. Do you trust God um, with, with your life? That he's got control of everything, so it's good. Yeah, I mean, who are we trust? A big thing, but who who are you trusting yourself, yourself for God? So that's it, man. Awesome, well, Luke. With that being said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, hopefully, we are have a little bit less of a break next time around. But if you guys have any questions, feel free to ask. No question is um, a bad question. I think um, and always leads to amazing conversations. So reach out to us. Um, Go back to another episode because I'm not sure exactly what the, the website link is. You had to write an email to. That's, for, that's Chris's job. But with all that being said, we will see you guys in the next episode. I need to get below the surface.